What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. We are coming to you after a nice little 24 to 10 victory on the road in Wisconsin, full of cheese and everything else. And on the evening of the release of the first college football playoff um, rankings, and dude, I'm telling you, you already know this is like Christmas for me. This is the best time of year right now to have a podcast or to be a college football fan for that matter, dude. I am so pumped for this episode. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's one that if you remember last year, we had Eric from the OHIO podcast on, and it's just something that we always hold near and dear to our hearts. It is the most fascinating time because rankings are the most subjective thing that you could possibly talk about. And what better thing than to waste 45 minutes to an hour of on-air time than to talk about rankings? So, Dude, I have more more meaningful – conversations with you about rankings than I have had with my wife in five years. And she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's ditto. <laughs> it's ditto. And we don't have to agree, but you know what? It's constructive conversation, you know, and we make good points on either side. And it's just, it's just a very good conversation. It's a fun conversation to have by far the funnest one that I feel like I have all year. Yeah, Absolutely. But dude, let's get let before we get into that, let's get into this Wisconsin game and talk about it, man. Give me your initial reaction, man. 24-10 on the road. Uh, it definitely wasn't pretty, but it was one in the W column. So, I mean, w- what's your take on that? So, you know, it, it's hard to block out the noise. And what I'm saying is social media noise, uh, other Ohio State fan noise, and predominantly overall, the feeling is. It was a good win, but it was it was super ugly. Probably Kamakor is one of his worst games. And I am taking this. I am now at that point, and I'm going to go ahead and stand on this high horse at the beginning of this episode and say that I am done with the negativity this year. And obviously, we'll preface this with, you know, what the CFP ranking is, but I am done trying, you know, just con solely focused on all the bad things that are happening because I feel like it's sucking out the enjoyment of this season and what this Ohio state team is. Um, But I guess my overwhelming feeling, if I try to block that stuff out is it was a hard fought win on the road. It wasn't pretty like you mentioned, but we got the job done and just about damn near covered, even though we didn't have our a game. So I'm going to take it as a very quality win even though I was on the edge of my seat for the better part of three quarters. And we're going to move on to the next game. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, The defense, I mean, I know we'll break this down and get into it a little bit, but the defense continued to shine, and the offense, good Lord, if we didn't have Travion Henderson and if we didn't have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, (laughs) we might be just a single small step up from Iowa. So that's kind of where I'm at. I, I take a little bit of a different take on it. I'm never going to be done with the negativity. That's what makes this this fan base great. That's what makes college football great. That's what gives us a podcast. So I'm going to continue to do that. And also, I will say this. A local um, radio host said something the other day on Facebook that kind of rang true to me. He was talking about people giving Kyle McCord grief, you know, for the bad game that he had. You know, two picks, two fumbles, you know, two intentional groundings, uh, yada, yada, yada. And he said, hey. If you don't like that, you're in the wrong fan base. And he also said something that rang super true to me, dude. And I want you to think about this if you're listening. He said, but every single Ohio State player that becomes a champion wants their praise. They want to be praised when they're the king. They want to be praised when they beat Michigan. They want to be praised when they win the Heisman or win a national championship. Well, then you got to be prepared to eat shit when you don't perform well. You can't be the king without being the peon. You have to take the good and the bad. You can't just take it when it's good for you. You have to take it all the time. And, dude, that's the most true statement I've ever heard. So I'm going to continue to give grief where grief is needed. And, I, dude, I'm, I'm not going to forget about this. Our defense is great, dude, phenomenal. Might be one of the best defenses if this thing holds up that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I mean that wholeheartedly. The offense leaves something to be desired. Common court is just not a good quarterback. And I'm going to say that here and today. Now, I accept it. I know what we are moving forward, and like we talk about all the time, it kind of echoes a a 2002 national championship team, and I'm okay with that. 
I'm riding with that, but that does not mean I have to like it. I don't like being on the edge of my seat every single game versus games that I feel like we should win and blow out. Now, I am grateful um, that we are in a position that we're in and we have such a good defense because I really think that if we didn't have this defense, we'd have a few losses already. Um, But a, a win is a win, dude. A win is a win. We're in the college football talks. It's, you know, October going on November here in Columbus, Ohio, and I don't think you can ask for anything better, dude. So, I mean, I'm happy as a human. I'm just pissed off about the offense. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. When I say that I'm done with the negativity, I'm not saying that I'm not going to be critical. And I think you're completely fair in your statement in the fact that at Ohio State, you're going to be one of the very few small handful of programs in the country that are going to be highly criticized week in and week out because the standard is so high. So I completely agree with you in the fact that I'm going to continue to be critical, but I'm not going to sit here And every other thing that I read on Twitter and on Facebook and people I talk to is just how down and negative everything is. I'm not going to let this season consume me out of negativity. And that's ultimately what I'm saying is that, yes, you know, I I think the hardest thing for Ohio State fans to realize is how good our offense has been the last five, six years and what it is this year. But you have to understand this team has completely morphed and it's almost flip flop from the last couple of years to a completely different team. Now, does that mean that we're, you know, going to be blowing people out left and right? Absolutely not. Even teams that we probably should? Absolutely not. But are we putting ourselves possibly in better position in key games to win those and grind those out when it absolutely matters? You know, it's just which side of the fence would you rather be on? Would you rather see this completely awesome offense that is number one in the country, top three in the country, you know, blowing the teams out they should, and then getting these tight games and then crap the bed because the defense can't hold up? Or would you rather be in a situation like we are now where we're 8-0, we, we've played, you know, arguably the toughest schedule so far, according to any other team. I think LSU might have had a tougher schedule up to this point, but that's the only one. We're at, like, number two. And know that because of this defense, we're going to be winning these games and toughing them out. Because... I don't know, you know, where we would be at if uh, we had one of the teams from the last two years. Would we still be in the same position? Would we feel good about it? I don't know because it's just I, I'm, I'm done being negative about this team and dwelling on what you said, you know, that you kind of come to terms with it. I, I've, I've come to my terms with it. You know, if when we talk about score predictions and spreads and stuff, like I'm going to be giving my score prediction. I don't think I will call another game with Ohio State over 40 points, and that's even over the next three games where they have lesser opponents. I'll be surprised if they score over 40 points because that's just not what this team is this year. It isn't. And I've come to terms with it, and not only that, but I'm learning to appreciate the style of football that we play this year, and it feels kind of, not modern, like there's a modern aspect to it, but it's like old style smash mouth football. And it kind of makes me a renewed, proud sense of the Ohio State team this year because I'm a lot more proud in the fact that our defense looks this legit than when our offense was running crazy, but our defense was just like run over. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I get it. I just, like I told you before, you know, in my head, I have set you know, what I like for this team to be, you know what I mean? And I think we're, dude, it's so hard for me to think, and I'm sorry, dude, if if you don't agree with me out there and you're listening, that's fine, but this is my podcast, so kiss my ass. Um, But I'm telling you, dude, I think that we are, I hate to say this, I think that we are a quarterback and a couple of offensive linemen away from being the most dominant team in college football. And it's hard to watch me get us get held back by that every single week. That hurts me. It does. Because it's not like last year where we had like this super high-powered offense and the defense just sucked. It's not that. Because our offense doesn't suck. Our running game doesn't suck. Our tight ends don't suck. Our wide receivers definitely don't suck. There's only a couple of guys that suck. So when those pieces are holding you back from something you feel could be like a, just a historic college football team in Ohio State history, it irks me a little bit, dude. It does. I'm not going to lie. Yes, I've accepted it. I'm rolling with it. Um, I think you're right. It's more like a, a like a 2002 vibe, and I'm cool with that. 
I hope we win. I hope this formula can prove me wrong and that it can be done with this type of formula. But, dude, it just irks me. The same thing like you say all the time. Like, you feel like we can't ever get on the same page offensively and defensively. Well, now I feel like we're even closer than we've ever been, but we're like two pieces away. And that irks me even more than being half of the side of the ball away. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, right. it just drives me nuts. And, and listen, I, I'm not saying anything that you're saying isn't true, but ultimately I'm not going to get tied up in the what ifs, I guess, essentially, because you're saying, you know, well, what if we did have the, the offenses that we've had in the past five years? Or what if we, you know, we were talking the other day on the phone and you said, well, what if we had Bo Nix on this team? Or what if we had Michael Panix on this team? What would it look like? Well, I get that, man. But unfortunately, that's just the way college football works sometimes because these kids are coming in and if they're really good, you're going to get them for maybe two years at the most and then they're gone. And you're not going to hit a home run every single recruit that you get. And I think it's clear that Ryan Day kind of whiffed on this one. I'm in the same boat with you that I believe Kyle McCord's ceiling is pretty much what we've seen. Do I think he can clean up a few things? Yes. But I think ultimately he's not going to be much anything more than what he is. Well, he's so, out there looking like Lieutenant Dan now, so that's not going to help him any. <laughs> well, you know we, what I mean? just, we just have to – I mean we have to get to the stage of acceptance of what it is. I understand there's also that feeling of, man, you know, between Trayvon Henderson and Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover and, you know, the plethora of skill players that we have on offense – Yet we continue to sputter and we're like barely a top 40 offensive team in the country. Like it is kind of embarrassing, but at the same time, dwelling on what could have been or what we think this offense should have been based upon past years is counterproductive because we have to we we need to just look at what this team is this year and understand that, you know, it could be a capable offense if they get things to click. But the defense can definitely hold us up when we're struggling. I mean, we're on the road in a hostile environment at Wisconsin. It's not an easy place to play, especially at night. And that Wisconsin defense is a top 20 defense, a top 10 passing defense. And even though Kyle McCord did throw two picks and had a strip fumble in that game, he still on some of those throws looked a lot more accurate. If you actually go back through, you could probably take five plays away from him. And Kyle McCord actually played really good in that game. And that's me saying it unbiasedly. If you go back and watch the film. Go back and actually rewatch the game. If you really look back at the previous seven games, he should have a ton more interceptions than he does. So I would say it about evens out because he's gotten away with a lot more than he should have, too. Exactly. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I I think he played maybe similar to what he's played in other weeks. I think he actually was a little more accurate on a handful of passes than he was in previous weeks. But he finally got burnt. I mean, some of those, you know, error passes that he made actually finally got picked this time. So I don't think it's like, you know, some people want to say, oh, that was Kyle McCord's worst game. And initially that was kind of my feeling, too. But I went back and watched it again. And, man, he threw some really good passes in that game, came back. And I'm telling you what, he just plays so much better in the second half of games. And it's irritating on one end. But at the same time, that's really starting to be his M.O. He comes out in the first half and he just cannot get it going. He can't get it together. But our defense keeps us in the game. It's a close game. And the common core plays better in the second half. The defense continues to do their thing. And we end up winning by double digits. And that's kind of been our MO this year. Yeah, I just don't like that MO. Because by the time you get to the big boy conference, the big boy games, at the end of the year, uh, you can't wait a half to start. You can't wait a half. I, I just I, feel that way. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but... We still have three more weeks, and I don't even know basically how healthy he is. I mean, Ryan Day's not really released anything as of today. Uh, Ryan had, Day has not released anything about anything. Mayan Williams is out for the season, and he hadn't released anything. Yeah, yeah. So that that that's a key thing that I think is you know, I think is pretty important. Even though he's not really played much this year, I mean that that's a blow to the wide uh, to the running back room. I mean, the times that he's come in, he still flashed. Which is surprising. I don't know if that is something that occurred during one of the games or something that was hindering him. And then finally he decided to just have surgery and call it a year. I have see, no it's, idea. It's this situation, though. OK, why? I, OK, I get it. I get if Ryan Day is really playing the cards close to the vest. OK, I get that. He's injured. He might not be injured. Will he play? Do we have the game play game plan for him? I get all that. OK, I'm not taking that away from Ryan Day. What I'm saying is, dude, the guy's out for the season. They know he's out for the season. Tell us what the hell happened to him. Yeah. I don't understand why that's such a big deal. 
I mean, am I? Is it me? I I don't know. Am I? Am I the only one that this pisses off? Because I I just don't understand. No, that. Ryan Ryan Day. Ryan Day's horrible with this, and I've just come to accept what it is. I mean, you know, you, we're never going to find out details about anything. We still don't even understand what happened really with Trey a, ho- a whole lot last year. Uh, we don't really understand what happened with Denzel Burke, even though he came back. We don't really understand what happened with the Mecca Buka, even though we expect him back. I mean, listen, it's just one thing, dude. I'm going to tell you this. I, I don't wish anything bad on Ryan Day. I like Ryan Day. But if he was to get up tomorrow morning and fumble through the dark to try to find the light switch and stubbed his toe really freaking hard, it wouldn't upset me. <laughs> as I'm long as saying. it doesn't keep him from the sideline, then I'm fine. just saying. I mean, I'm just saying it's just got to be tit for tat, dude. You know, we're we're giving, you got to give too. You know. <laughs> so let's let's kind of finish this game up and uh, real quick, we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, who is your player of the game on the offense? Because there's a big key piece of this puzzle that came back this week that really showed out, and I don't know if that's the route you're gonna go because you, I think you can go one of two ways. But what's your offensive player of the game? I am gonna go with Travion. Um, I thought he was a beast all day long. He ran the hardest during this game that I've seen him run in my life. This guy was attacking holes to the point where I was actually scared for his health at a certain yeah, he, point. He, he runs kind of violent sometimes. And I go, Travion, let's dial it back, dude. We already know your softest dryer sheets, so let's pull it back a hair. You know what I mean? Like, it's your first week back. But, dude, he was – not only was a running threat, but a passing threat, making big plays. Dude, give me Travion all day. Yeah, and I think that's one of the key things, not just the running style, but he's actually lethal in the passing game when we include him. And that's not something you could have said with Mayan Williams, with Chip Trainum, uh, you know, with Dallin Hayden. You know, that is a key part of this aspect why I think Trayvon Henderson is so important. I agree. I'm going with Trayvon Henderson, too, even though Marv had, you know, another 100-yard receiving game, two touchdowns, both of them critical, averaging 20.5 yards per catch. I mean, he, Marv's still Marv. Marv's like a 1B in this, but I got to give it to Trey. I mean, on top of the 162 um, rushing yards, he had 45 reception yards. You know, he was just – he was so important to this role. And as bad as our offense played, as bad as Kyle McCord had some of those throws and the three turnovers that we had, we still won on the road, kept them to 10 points, and almost covered the spread. And that was with, you know, losing the turnover battle by two. So, you know, that's him, how important he really is. And if we can, and that, that looked like freshman year Travion Henderson to me. And if we can get that Travion Henderson for the rest of the year healthy, I'm really liking our chances that this running game starts looking a hell of a lot better than it has. So let's go over the defensive side of the ball and, Give me kind of your player of the game or what stood out to you on defense, because we could sit here and talk all the accolades that we want. I mean, clearly, you know, we we kept another team to uh, under their average, under the scoring average, under the yards per game average. I mean, what did Wisconsin have? Barely 250 yards of offense. I mean, at 165 passing yards, 94 rushing yards, and they had one of the most prolific running backs, actually the number one running back in the Big Ten. And but. Uh, he ended up getting hurt. Uh, what's his name? Hold on. It'll come to me. Uh, um, uh, Braylon Allen. Sorry. But yeah. he get, ended up getting hurt. But, I mean, you know, we kept them to 94 rushing yards on 25 attempts, you know, three and a half yards per attempt. And that's Wisconsin's A game. So, right. you know, give me what stood out to you on defense or who's kind of your player of the game or however you want to take that. I'm going to give it a tie and one of them's going to shock you. Okay, first of all, uh, what stood out to me was Tyleek Williams. His performance um, was great, dude. Four total tackles. Um, He had a sack and two tackles for loss, uh, was being disruptive. I thought he played a great game, dude, Um, and he caught my attention the entire game. And I couldn't decide between him and Jack Sawyer. Jack Sawyer, dude, had, to me, the best game he's had this season. I was watching all kind of press conferences on it. Everybody was praising him this last week. I went back. I watched the film. I was like, what did I miss? I didn't pay enough attention to him. He showed out this week. I've been waiting on Jack Sawyer to put his to let his balls drop a little bit, and he did this week, dude. And, dude, I, I love it. I hope this continues for the rest of the season, but I'm going Jack Sawyer slash Tyler Williams. 
That's a good call. Um, I'm definitely up there with um, with Jack Sawyer. Um, I mean, four solo tackles, six total. Um, he was in the backfield a bunch. He had a ton of pressures. Um, he definitely played, I agree, his best game of the season. And especially when, you know, JT Tumalaw was kind of quiet. Now, if you really watch the game, JT got in the backfield a ton. He just didn't wrap up, didn't make tackles. He missed a handful it was definitely not one of uh, JT's best games, but he was still disruptive. But for me, the person that stood out the most that I think has made some of the biggest growth over the last handful of weeks is Jordan Hancock. Uh, he was blowing up plays left and right. Um, he was great as the nickel uh, in the nickel position, I mean, he was in the backfield a ton. Uh, he was wrapping up. He had pass breakups. I mean, he had four total tackles. He had a sack in there. He had a tackle for loss. I mean, he looked legit, in my opinion. It's the best Jordan Hancock has looked all season. So for me, I'm going to give it to Jordan Hancock. I can't disagree, dude. I He's one of the most exciting new players we have. Um, well, newer players that we have. I've been looking forward to see him all year. I, I never feel I never feel scared when he's on the field. You know what I mean? Not like I do when Cam Martinez comes on. Well, I was nervous, you know, at the beginning <laughs> of the year because he's breaking them in. But, yes, I mean, and we're starting to see Cam Martinez starting to get some play time. And I'm like, mm, I mean, the one time he's in there, I swear to God, we hit, you know, Wisconsin had the biggest pass play they had all game. It was like 20, 30-yard pass play. Dude, I would throw it to him every time he's in. I yeah, really he's would. he's the fish. He's the one you pick on. Like he's the one you circle with. Like if you see him in, I want the ball going in that direction. Exactly. So I mean that does worry me because I don't know what Lathan Ransom's situation is. I mean he hobbled off in the second half. Um, he did have to get carted back to the locker room. I know that he did tr- walk back out after that. But, you know, Ryan Day at his press conference today said he had nothing new to release about that. He's going to let us know later in a week. But I just have a sneaking suspicion that that could be a season-ending issue. I don't know why I'm feeling that way, but just the reaction of it, man. It was a non-contact thing. I mean, he was running after a play to tackle, and all of a sudden he just started hopping. So I don't know what the situation is, and, of course, we'll never know. But it's going to be one of those things that, you know, if we see him back, then he's back. If we don't see him back, then we don't. I don't expect to see him back, and if it if I do see him back, you know, it would be in the latter part of the playoffs. I think if we if we make it that far. So the last thing I will say about defense in Wisconsin in general is uh, I do like the depth that I'm seeing, uh, especially we, we we got to see a chance of uh, some second string, third string defensive linemen get in the game. And I'm talking about Hero Canoe is one that kind of stood out to me where he was making some big time plays. And I think that that is one of the other big differences with our defense this year is not only are we all on the same page, we're playing fast, we're playing aggressive, we're playing as a team, but I think we finally have some depth. So maybe some of these injuries that we have can be masked to where, you know, if you think when Denzel Burke was out and uh, uh, Matthews Jr. comes in and look at how good he looked, you know, so I I have a lot more confidence in the fact that if we have to miss a piece or two on defense, that we're not really going to miss a beat. So I just want I'd rather have Matthews on the field and bounce everybody around uh, than I would have Cam Martinez on the field. He he needs to stay on the freaking. I agree with that, too, but that's two different positions, essentially. Well, like I said, you got to bounce some people around, but he does not need to see the field. Well, I mean, that's a story for another day. If we want to talk about position swapping and how much, you know, during practice time, are they actually being co-taught different positions? Because that may not even be something that is schematically available to us. So, I mean, I agree. Do I like seeing Cam Martinez on the field? No, because – I'm skittish. Every time I see him on the field, there's a big pass play that happens. But, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm putting my faith in Jim Knowles because I have to, especially with what I've seen as the product this year, that if they're willing to put him on the field, hopefully it's because they're seeing something that we just don't trust, you know, as fans, but they're seeing something different. God, I hope so. Well, hey, before we get into this, um, to the CFP talk, which I'm excited to do, um, let's talk about our sponsor real quick. This podcast is brought to you by um, Additional Flavors. That's www.additionalflavors.com. And right now, the website is offering a a buy one get one. Uh, get you buy one, you get one of uh, equal or lesser value. 
and that's all the way through November 2nd. So there's still a couple of days left. If you get a chance, stop over to the website, www.additionalflavors.com. Check them out. Buy some things. Uh, help help us out. Uh, help Craig out. And uh, support local business, man, of course. And uh, always, you know, if you do that, you're also supporting our podcast. So the stuff's great. Uh, give it a try. Buy one, get one through November 2nd. Yeah, right on. Definitely give them a, give them a look out, guys, because I'm telling you, I mean, I've said it before. I mean, I've cooked steak with it, burgers with it, fish with it. The stuff's awesome. And it's not even just meats. I mean, they have other spices, too. You know, they have like a pumpkin spice that's really good. Um, some other things. Just check them out. Dude, Craig's the guy to see. Is your mom making banana nut bread? See Craig. Is your mom making muffins? See Craig. He's got all that stuff. Additionalflavor.com. You keep saying Craig like it's <laughs> like it's <laughs> Friday. Hey, Craig. Movie Friday. Hey, Craig. How you going to get fired on your day off? <laughs> Craig, how you going to get fired? <laughs> go see Craig. Go see. Hey, why don't you go see Craig if you need some spots? <laughs> Oh, All right, dude. Man. CFP time. It is time. It is. I think it's the first time they've ever done it in October. Am I wrong? I always feel like it's like the very beginning of November. Maybe it's just the way that the months, have, the days came out. I always feel like it's like the first of November, but we did it on Halloween today. Yeah. And they finally revealed the first ever CFP. And, you know, the format we did last year, we spent an entire episode on it. I don't think we'll go about the same way, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to at least reveal 25 through 10. Okay. I really think the top 10 is where we need to have the conversation, you know. So you want to skip the, the, from like no, 25 I to read 11? I'm just saying, well, I'm that's what I'm saying. Like, well, like, I'm going to cover the first big bulk, but really our conversation is going to happen from 10 and up. You know, if you see anything in here that you feel like you want to mention or make a comment about, uh, I'm all for it. And then I'll kind of I'll, I'll chip in with whatever. But uh, I'm going to give you 25 through 10. So at 25 is Air Force and they're eight. and 0. Um they're the uh, there's only two teams that are unbeaten uh, outside of the, uh, you know, your main five conferences. And that's Air Force and that's James Madison. Now, James. Madison is not eligible uh, for any sort of NCAA postseason because they're making a transition. This is their first year. For some reason, that's an NCAA rule. I don't know. I feel like James Madison is worthy of a top 25 ranking, especially the first year in FBS, but they're ineligible. So that's why you don't see them on this list. So you have Air Force at 25, Tulane at 24, Kansas State 23, Oklahoma State 22, Kansas 21, USC 20, UCLA 19. Utah 18, Tennessee 17, Oregon State 16, Notre Dame 15, LSU 14, Louisville 13, Missouri 12, Penn State 11, and Ole Miss at 10. So anything that kind of stands out to you in that realm. And now and the reason why I mention it is because the furthest a team has ever come back from initial ranking is 16, and that was Ohio State in 2014. So realistically, if you look at this list, 16 is Oregon State, but you're looking at two lost teams all the way up to rank 14. So 13 is your only one lost team moving up. And I really don't feel, especially in this year and just because of past years, we've never had a two lost team in the CFP. I think it, Louisville and up is a realistic chance. So 13 and up. Is there anything in that 10 to 25 range that stands out to you? Not, not a ton. I mean, I think there's a little piddly stuff that you could argue in there. Um, I do. I think there's a lot to argue when you're talking about the one-loss teams, um, especially Ole Miss, uh, Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas, Oregon. That specific group, I think you can argue a lot of different ways, which I'm sure we're going to get into here because um, I feel it probably should be a little bit different uh, than it is. But, hey, um, I really can't fault uh, them for putting them this way. As a matter of fact, let me say this, dude. As an overall, before we even get into revealing the, the, the top 10, overall, I feel like this is one of the best jobs the CFP has done. And you know me saying that's probably a big deal. Because yeah, I love to I, argue everything. I, I don't have a lot to disagree with. Now, it could be just because of this year it's been a little more clear in that realm. Um, I mean, if a team has beaten another team, usually they're ahead of them. Um, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of these teams are probably positioned where they should be. The only one I would disagree with is probably USC at 20. 
Um, I feel like there's some teams behind them that are more worthy just because of how bad USC has looked. I mean, if you think USC this past weekend won 50 to 49 against a bad Cal team, yeah. and they already have two losses on top of that. So in my opinion, I think USC is still a little high, but I mean, we're splitting hairs because I think at this point, USC already knows they're kind of eliminated uh, just based upon the way they've looked and already having two losses. So I'm not really going to throw a big fit there. Uh, the only thing I would like to mention is your top two loss team is LSU. And your second top two loss team is Notre Dame. LSU at 14, Notre Dame at 15. And I can't and I don't explain know if the love I, for LSU. I can't explain I, it. And I don't uh, – so LSU, uh, the one thing I will give them credit for is they have a really good offense. As a matter of fact, statistically, it's the number one offense in the country right now. But they don't have a defense. I mean, they're in shootouts nonstop, and well, they've lost I know they've lost game. to Florida State, and they've lost to Ole Miss, and both those teams are top teams. Notre Dame has lost to Ohio State and Louisville, both top teams uh, ahead of them. But if let me ask you this, then. I guess if you really want to split hairs, do you feel like LSU should be ranked ahead of Notre Dame, or do you feel like that is an SEC bias? Dude, I think, to be totally honest with you, it's a bias all day long. I'm sorry, dude. I hate to sound like an Ohio State homer, but it is. Look at LSU's schedule. They have beat nobody. Outside of having a good offense, that's all you can hang your hat on with them. They've lost every big game they've played. I just I don't understand. And they haven't even looked great in the games they have lost or won. So I'm just saying, dude, I, I don't understand. I think Notre Dame's a much tougher football team. Um, I think LSU is way overrated. They're going to end up falling out of these rankings before the year's over, period. Um, so I just think it's a temporary placeholder, and I think that's just them putting them high. And to be honest with you, man, if you look inside the top 10, you'll see a little bit of that as well. So LSU, I mean, the they played Florida State at the beginning of the year and lost by 21 points. Okay, It was kind of a bad loss. Not not a bad loss, but I mean, they lost badly. Um then you kind of fast forward a little. Their next ranked opponent is Ole Miss, and they get beat by Ole Miss in a gigantic shootout, over 100 points in a game. But then they followed up, and they beat Missouri at Missouri, which was actually a pretty quality win considering where Missouri's ranked. And then they blow out Auburn, blow out Army. So they're a little bit on the uptick, so I can understand a little bit of the favoritism lately. But if you want to look at what Notre Dame's schedule was, and me and you had a talk about this, you know, not only did you have to start with Ohio State, then you had to go on the road at a ranked unbeaten Duke. Then you had to go on the road to a ranked unbeaten um, Louisville. Then you had to turn back around and then come home and play, you know, uh, Caleb Williams in USC. And out of that stretch, they probably could have beat Ohio State, came down to the wire. They ended up coming back from behind and beating Duke. And then they kind of got burned out on the road, got beat by Louisville, which I think if they played Louisville any other time of the year, they would have won that game. But on that stretch, and then they come home, even after you know going one and two in that three-game stretch, and then blowing the doors off USC, like no one else has to go through a, a gauntlet like that of four games. LSU definitely hasn't had to. And I think Notre Dame should have earned a better spot than LSU, but I digress because we could sit here and talk for hours about this SEC bias that is still there, that will always be there, at least until the narrative can change with different champions. But, you know, in my opinion, yes, I believe Notre Dame should be ahead of LSU. Now, that's splitting hairs, and that's really going to be ultimately irrelevant, I think, um, because even if LSU can somehow clean the table, beat Alabama, and even go through and win the SEC, I think with the teams that we have up top, a two-win, uh, I'm sorry, a two-loss uh, LSU SEC champ is still not going to get in. No, I don't think so either. Um, yeah, I don't think so, dude. It's it's not going to happen. Let's get let's get a little bit farther into this top ten here, because um, right. I got a lot of stuff to say, and it it, it requires the next couple things to be unveiled. All right, so <laughs> ten was ten was Ole Miss mm-hmm. uh, at seven and one. Nine is Oklahoma at nine and one, which is interesting because the team that beat them i'm sorry the team that they beat that only has one loss also texas is actually two spots above them but they noticed they did give 
Texas the nod over Alabama because they have Alabama at eight, Texas at seven. And we'll stop there. We'll stop there. So Ole Miss 10, Oklahoma 9, Alabama 8, Texas 7. Where okay, is your so the, problem in that? Okay, well, first of all, Ole Miss and Oklahoma should be switched. That's my feeling. Um, I think Oklahoma should be 10, okay, and I think Ole Miss should be 9, which is not a, a great big deal. I'm just saying that Ole Miss lost to Alabama on the road. That's one of the best losses here in the top 10. And they have wins against two um, ranked teams, including the beloved LSU. Okay, Oklahoma, seven and one. Okay, who, who have they beat? They beat Texas on the road. That's it. But they have the worst loss of any one loss team. Yes, is a I bad get loss. that. I get that. But now we're talking about another dude. That's a head to head. You both have one losses, and Oklahoma clearly beat Texas, given it's well, a what's neutral a site. Loss, Kansas or Alabama? It does. So, so. What is more important to you? Because what you're telling me, what's more important to you, or at least maybe what the committee is showing is more important to them, is what is if you both have one loss, then what's the worst loss instead of what's the best win? Right. The loss trumps everything, 100%. Okay. It does. If you, I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying out, it's an it's interesting wins. take. Because here's the thing. So, so say this. Say you have a team with a loss, okay, and a team that's undefeated, but they haven't played anybody. Who are you ranking first? Say that again. Pa- two power five teams. Okay, say we'll just take Alabama and Ohio State, for instance, okay? Say Ohio State's undefeated, but they haven't played anybody ranked. But they're undefeated, and they're winning all their games. Alabama plays a gauntlet of a schedule, but they got one loss. Who's getting ranked first? Ohio State's I mean, getting ranked first, 100%, because of the loss. The loss trumps everything. In college football, you know, dude. Yeah, you're not, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, even though it's not fair. Uh, because I understand where you're coming from, having to go through a gauntlet like gauntlet like that, and almost coming out unscathed, besides one probably to a good team, but yet the other team is basically getting cupcakes and blowing out who they should. I mean, you know, that's the that, that's the one narrative that I'm, Ohio State probably took advantage of in years past, and I can understand why people were irritated because I'm irritated now. Of you know, there's a couple teams that are in the top four that have played almost nobody. That their strength of schedule is outside the top forty. Yeah, and and we're getting and they've played and, I'm, and, I'm they've, and they've played nobody. And sure, you can sit there and say, well, you know, at least they blew everyone out. I mean, well, sure, if you're playing nobody, I guarantee you're probably going to blow everyone out. As a matter of fact, you better not be struggling, or else then you're really showing some red flags. But and, and you know if you switch also, roles and then all of a sudden give Ohio State schedule to one of these other teams, how many of them are coming through that unscathed? Who well, knows? Listen to, this, listen to this argument, dude, because you talked about this. You you hit on it, but we didn't go all the way into it. How can you respect the head-to-head for one matchup and not for the other? If you respect one and not the other, that tells me you're focused on the loss. That's true. But if you're, fo- but if you're focused on the loss, then the, then the rankings are wrong. That's what I'm saying. If you're focused on the loss, you're telling yeah. me by by uh, impeding to one head and head and not the other that the loss matters. Well, if the loss matters, then why did you put the worst loss above the best loss? Absolutely. And I mean, and that's just the funny thing because we see it every single year. I remember it. Uh, what was the year that uh, Michigan State uh, beat Michigan? But that yet was Michigan, a couple years ago. Went too but long Michigan, ago. But Michigan State ranked ahead of Michigan State. Yep. And there was the clear head-to-head there, but because Michigan State had the worst loss, they dropped them down. It's the exact same thing they're doing with Texas and Oklahoma because Oklahoma clearly had the worst loss. But, you know, and it's funny how they have Alabama in between them because they still feel that even though Texas had that loss, Alabama's uh, loss to Texas requires Texas to stay above them. So they're they're given the head-to-head between Texas and Alabama – but they're not giving the head-to-head between Oklahoma and Texas. Exactly. It's, and that's and what it's, I'm saying. And it's like a double standard. It's like you're, one of them you're giving the head-to-head. The other one, well, it was a head-to-head, but that loss was so bad, we're going to go ahead and drop you down two spots below them. And and, do, and if Texas had the loss to Kansas, I completely get it. But that's not the way it is. That's what I'm saying. Like, So it's they just, haven't yeah, made very clear very, what they feel very is Very interesting. Well, I mean, you know, they say this all the time. And as we'll talk here in the top four, I mean – you know, some of these teams are going to go off resume and some of these teams are going to go off eye test. And you're going to see it clearly in the top four that they switch back and forth. Clearly, clearly. So let's get into it. 
Let's get into it. Uh, number six, Oregon. And they are the top one-loss team. And I think we both agree on that as of right now. To be honest with you, and I've told you this before, Oregon Oregon gave that game away. Yeah. Okay. It was they bad are, coaching. It was yeah, bad coaching. Yeah, there's bad coaching game. away from being undefeated. And Washington is a bad coaching thing away from having one loss and having nobody on their schedule they really beat worth a crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're both like an eyelash away from being a different story. Wait, so I understand I in that aspect you have to keep Washington ahead because Washington has no losses. Absolutely. I so that one, believe. that one I completely agree with. I, I now do I agree with Washington being at five? Not necessarily. I don't. Let's get into it. Yeah. So Washington's five. Florida State is four. Michigan three. Georgia two. And our Ohio State Buckeyes, number one. So there's a lot of ways that you can kind of break down this top five. And, you know, we're just going to focus on the top five. Your five, group of five, unbeaten. And you basically have four conferences without a loss. That means if everyone takes care of business, it's going to be easy for the CFP. They're going to have a Big Ten team, an SEC team, an ACC team, and a Pac-12. And then wipe their hands and be done. And now, are we expecting that to happen? Probably not. But even though these rankings don't really matter yet, it is interesting where they put them because you're kind of reading into what the CFP finds uh, important. But you're also seeing how they can flip-flop based upon different factors. So let's break this down, and then after we kind of finish it up, I actually pulled up some good info on the history of the initial CFP rankings and let you know historically what does it really matter where you're ranked in the first one. Okay. Well, honestly, dude, I don't want to start from the bottom up. I want to start from the top down. It's fine with me. And that's because of the point that you're trying to prove, the same thing. I think if you look— um, at Ohio State and the road that they've been on and the top 10 wins that they have, the two top 10 wins, and a top five defense, ho-hum offense, I get it for right now, but it's still getting the job done. I think there's no way, and we've, we've talked about this before, that they wouldn't be in the top two. And so this doesn't really surprise me per se. I didn't think they put them above Georgia. I really didn't, but they did. I think it's the right call. And that's not me being a homer. That's just saying, you know, I'm a strength of schedule guy. So that's what that's what I go with. Georgia, on the other hand, and Michigan. That's what I really want to talk about. Okay, I don't understand how either one of them could be where they're at right now. I don't understand. Florida State and Washington both have better record, better resumes than them, and they're both 8-0. I just don't understand. Based on what? That's what I would love to say. And don't give me the, we felt like it was a, a more complete football team. Horse You put Ohio State number one, why? Because of the resume. It sure as hell ain't because of the offense. It's because of the resume. So using that logic, how could you put Georgia and Michigan number two and three over two teams that ha- obviously have better wins than you? I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I no, I agree with you completely. As a matter of fact, you know, l- let's just say they stick with a, a certain prerequisite for these unbeaten teams. Because on one end, they were looking resume. On another end, they are looking at eye test. And they're flip-flopping on both of these because Ohio State has the best strength of record. And they also have went through the number two toughest schedule to this date. They are by far unequivocally the most deserving. Now, do they look like the number one team in the country? I don't think so. And I think most people would agree that that's probably not the case. Now, do Even we, I would. Right. Now, is there a completely humongously dominant team? Well, the most dominant looking in regards to the play on the field has been Michigan. But they also have the worst strength of schedule. Theirs is in the 50s or 60s. And you also know their offenses work, or rank worse than ours. I know their offense is better than ours. Nope, they're ranked 45 or ranked 39. Are you talking about yards per game or points? Uh, total yards. Okay, yeah. So total yards, maybe. Uh, points per game, but that's also, I mean, they're pulling out a lot of starters in the second half. Um, I don't think JJ because they haven't played anyone. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't think he's played <laughs> in a, a complete game yet. You know, which another thing that benefits you too is not just blowing these teams out, but you're resting these players and they're not getting hurt throughout the season. 
I mean, that's a whole nother ball game. Ohio State is banged up already again on both sides of the ball. So, but yeah, so let, the point that I find really interesting is, okay, Ohio State, number one, I understand them picking it. Would I have done it? It just depends on what side of the fence. Am I more, do I think they're the best team in the country or are they most deserving? If the, if you go most deserving, absolutely, they should be number one. But if you're going that route with the unbeaten teams, most deserving, number two should be Washington or Florida State. And yes. you could flip-flop those two however you want. I don't I care. Do too, because if but you're number two LSU, should be Florida State and Washington, and three should be the other one. And then four and five should be Michigan and Georgia. Well, see, but they didn't do that. Well, that's the other reason, dude, that I'm talking about. So when we got up here, what I wanted to say was if you're going to hold Ole Miss in a high regard – or sorry, if you're going to hold LSU in a high regard like they have. So if you're going to use LSU as a crutch to keep Florida State – at four, okay, then you better use it to move Ole Miss in front of Oklahoma because you're telling me that's a quality win, and that's why you have Florida State there. But here's my point, dude, both of them. Okay, Florida State has a has a, a ranked win versus LSU, a ranked win versus Duke. Washington, in my opinion, has the best win of everybody. So when you take those two things into account and you look at Georgia's schedule, who they beat uh, Kentucky when they were ranked number 20 um, earlier in the season – and Michigan, who's played absolutely nobody, I just don't understand. You know, how can you – I don't understand how they're weighing it. They're weighing it for some people and not for others, and I don't understand right. that. So, you know, the only thing – and I look through these eight, and the way they have them ranked um, is a combination. In my opinion, the only way that I can fathom the reason why they went with this exact order is that the committee really likes defense, and then on top of defense – who have you played? And I think those two factors might actually be kind of where the committee's thinking because Ohio State is one a top five defense right now. Georgia is up there, and Michigan's a top three defense. Now between that, they believe Ohio State, you know, defensively deserves to be up there, but because of who they've played and who they've won, they're giving them the nod. Now, Georgia might have played a tougher schedule than Michigan, not by a lot, but at least a little bit. So maybe then they give them the nod and then Michigan. Now, Florida State and Washington, their glaring issues is that they do not play defense very well. They have two of the better offenses, probably better than Ohio State, Georgia and Michigan. I'd say both those offenses are better. But that's showing you right there that maybe the committee is not really favoring the offense this year. They're favoring the defense. I mean, it, I mean, that's the I, it, only rational explanation that I, I can possibly come to when I look at this top five, the way that they rank those unbeatens. I mean, you're you may be right. And the only thing I can think of, to be honest, is they they did what we talked about. They looked at these teams and they said, who do we really think would win? And that's their opinion. Because otherwise, there's no reason to put Georgia or Michigan to me. If, if you ask my top five right now, Michigan's out. Michigan's the team out for me. Well, they'd be number five, you mean? They'd be number five. They're out. Yeah. Georgia would be number four. And I think you could argue either way for Florida State and Washington. I think they're interchangeable. I really think you could have a pretty good argument for both. Um, I personally, at this point in the season, like Washington. But, you know, you could make an argument for either. But my point is, either way, one of those teams should be the team out. I just can't believe they are where they are. And you're right. The only the only thing they can do is that they're favoring defense over offense at some point. Or they just sat down and said, okay. We think it's too close. Who do we think is a better football team? And that's what they came up with. Those are the only two logical things. Because if you go on any kind of stats, strength of schedule, or who have you beaten, this would not be what you came up with. Yeah, and I have a problem with this. And even if it happened to Ohio State, I would understand. But there has to be some sort of penalty for playing an easy schedule. And both Georgia and Michigan had, up to this point, have had insanely easy schedules um not the easiest in the entire country but by far outside the top 25 and these other three teams are in the top 15 washington you know might be a little bit more stretched but they still played you know one of the toughest teams that are still in the rank you know that was probably a better team and ended up coming out with a win so i have i do i do have a problem with georgia being two and michigan being three now 
when you look at these teams and actually watch them play, especially Georgia the last two weeks, in Michigan, I'm assuming pretty much all season just because you've not really seen much of a difference, but they do look dominant. You know, I'm not going to take anything away from that. They do look dominant. They look the part. And Ohio State hasn't really looked the part for a handful of games. Florida State almost lost to Boston College. I mean, they had to go to overtime to a 4-4 four and four Clemson team. And Washington barely beat an Arizona team or an Arizona State team like 15 to nine. Like there's glaring issues with those three teams. I get it. Georgia, Michigan, for the most part. I mean, Georgia had, you know, had to come from behind against South Carolina and against Auburn. So really, if the most dominant looking team at this point has been Michigan. But again, they've played nobody. So if you're going to reward Ohio State for that, how on earth can Georgia and Michigan immediately follow that with Florida State and Washington behind? It just it baffles me. It does. And here I live by this. OK, just like I said before, I believe that a loss outweighs a win for the most part. OK, that's the general rule of thumb. Obviously, there's exceptions to everything, but I'm saying generally a loss outweighs a win. I also feel like what you've done should trump what they think you'll do. Right. And it's not that way, though, with Georgia and Michigan. It can't be because neither one of them have done anything. So it well, has how to much be what of, they think they can do. How much of Georgia and, – and I know the AP is more of an issue with this than the CFP probably is. But how much of Georgia's past success is affecting their ranking this year from the past two years? Because it's not supposed to be a thing. It's supposed to be independent of each single year. Which obviously is, you know, one nod why Ohio State's ranked ahead of them. But how how can Georgia be at number two when clearly their strength schedule's not been good? They've played some close games, and you have two teams behind them that I, I'll be honest, perfect for me, I would probably actually put Georgia at number five. Because I think Georgia, maybe the last couple games have been better, but they have not been super impressive. They have not really played hardly anybody. They played one ranked team at Missouri. And Michigan, at least, without playing anyone, has looked like the most dominant team. So I would at least put Michigan ahead of Georgia. If if you're out there right now and you get up in the morning and it's still up, right now on ESPN.com, because I watched all the coverage, Pat McAfee uh, is sitting at a desk. Um, and he's the the headliner talking about the CFP and what he thinks the rankings are going to be. Okay, he had Georgia at number one, and you know what he said. And this is a man, by the way, that gets paid by the SEC network. I'm sorry, ESPN network to get up on the stage and give a professional opinion about college football. And he flat out says to everybody listening, and the split screen and all these guys, Georgia's the back to back national champion. And in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. That is not how this works. No, exactly. It's not. Now, I understand that sentiment, and that's the human nature, and that's hard to ignore knowing that Georgia hasn't lost no, since but the 2021. Was, the question was, though, from uh, – what's his name? Loudmouth, Stephen A. Smith. Mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith asked him, well, how could you have LSU at number one? Or how could you have uh, Georgia at number one? And that's that was his his reckoning of it. It wasn't because of their strength of schedule. It wasn't because of their defense or their offense. He simply said they're back-to-back national champions, and to be the man, you got to beat the man. So we have to give him a pass and make him number one. That is word for word what he said. Right. Now, how can somebody that get, gets paid by the network to cover this thing say something like that on the air and then, and then force me to believe that the committee is not in the same position? Because they're, they're more media personalities that are meant to engage and create viewership. Uh, the committee is not – supposed to be doing this under any precedent of you know getting notoriety for anything they're doing now however there's still that human element and they can be easily swayed and you know feel a certain way just to just well based upon what they're seeing you know and let me ask you this did you see desmond howard's top four before the thing came out no i saw his reaction afterwards i didn't see his no uh, okay so i i don't remember Exactly, but it was something along the lines of Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Florida State 3. He put Oregon at 4. He put Oregon at 4. Okay, so let me let me make one he thing. He is the dumbest motherfucker, and you please blurt that because I mean it wholeheartedly, <laughs> on TV that there possibly is. And it is not my hatred for Michigan that is causing this. He is just so biased 
and such a homer and such a hater of Ohio State. Like he is worse than Mark May, in my opinion. And I despise Desmond Howard with every inch of my body. If I saw him in public, I'd punch him in the face. Like I cannot stand that person. And the idiot crap that he spews out on a daily basis makes me want to vomit. There, Dude, I said it. I feel better. I'm, I I don't disagree with you, but let me defend him, and that, that's going to piss you off. Don't you dare defend that son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I'm not defending where he's at, but like we talked about before, the problem with the rankings for me is that people give you what they think it's going to be, not what it should be today. And that's always been my biggest problem with the rankings. Do you think Georgia's the best team in the country at the end of the day? Okay. But if you value strength of schedule and you value what have you done, you can't put them there today. If you think Oregon is one of the top three teams in the country, top four teams in the country, which I actually do agree with him. I really think at the end of the day, they might be one of the top four teams in the country. Agreed. Agreed as well. But, but that doesn't mean they're today. worthy of a top four right now. I agree. But I think what he's doing is giving you his top four based on what he thinks it really is. No, he's being a hater. He's being an absolute hater. That's what he does. He well, does that crap on purpose. He's also an idiot. But I will say. You know, like uh, that to me is one of the problems is that everybody wants to put people, but oh, we're going to put uh, Georgia number one. Well, you can't right now. They shouldn't be number one. And you know what? If they go out and they beat Ole Miss and they beat Alabama and they win the SEC championship, maybe they'll look better than Ohio State and we'll end up not being number one. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I'm not okay with you putting them number one based on what they could do. That's what pisses me off or what they've already done in previous years. That's not fair. So I just, you know, it's so fun getting a chance to finally see this first CFP. And I think it's important that we kind of take a little bit of a look back at the history of these initial rankings. Not that it matters because every year is independent of itself. But realistically, you know, of all the years they've done this, not counting obviously this year so far. So this year would be the 10th year. So in the nine previous years, and I'm going to ask you this. You may know the answer. Of the nine previous years, the nine initial CFP ranking number one teams, how many of those did not make the CFP? Ooh, that's a Out of question. the nine years, the teams that were ranked number one in the initial, how many of them did not make the final CFP? Doesn't matter what spot, just made the CFP. Okay. I have no idea, by the way. I'm not. Uh, That's fine. Take a I guess. How many anything. did not out of nine? Out of nine, I'm going to go five. Up until last year, it was one. And last year made two. The first ever one, Mississippi State, was ranked number one in the first initial one. That was Dak Prescott. And they did not make it. They finished the CFP ranked number seven. Now, why the hell did you just do that? What do you mean? You bastard. If what we do don't mean? make the CFP this year, that's on you. And I want to No, it happened. Like it, listen, land. listen, the streak, the streak got broke last year. No, listen, you pretty much said that we have an 80 percent chance the way I just look at it. OK, that's rounding about two out of nine. I don't have that in my head. Two out of nine is like 72 percent. So you're the guy that just said you're the guy on national television that goes, this kicker is national television. We're not syndicated. Oh, yes, you know what you're saying? You're saying <laughs> this man has never missed from 30 yards in 27. That is not what I said at all. And then he shanks I, it into the stands. That's the announcer's fault. No, and no. This one's going to be yours. It, I, I did not say you one, one has never not you made said, it. No, no, I did not. No, yes, don't twist it around. Holy banana. You said. Basically, only two times as the number one team. And that's what you're getting at. We're ranked number one. So we got well, a pretty good what shot. What I'm saying, though, is that's interesting. So last year, Tennessee was ranked number one in the initial. And obviously, they finished sixth. So I got to go. The, I'm going to change my socks. I'm superstitious. You've jacked me all up. I can't wear these clothes ever again. I got to go somewhere. That's fine. Just burn them, dude. <laughs> Just burn them. That's I am. Fine. I'll be like East Ventura in the bathroom, chewing gum. And, <laughs> and with the, the plunger, corner. like trying to you know, <laughs> trying to make yourself puke in the toilet. Uh, so, but, okay. So, I just found that interesting, and I remember that being a thing last year because up to last year, you know, Mississippi State always held that thing. Like they were the only ones that was the preseason – or I'm sorry, the preseason, the first ever CFP number one, and they never made it. So Tennessee finally broke that streak. So I feel like that streak is no longer an issue. Now, 
this is obviously the first time Ohio State has ever been number one. Uh, if I look back here, I'm looking at, you know, tw- in 2015, it was Clemson. 2016 was Alabama. 2017 was Georgia. 2018 was Alabama. I take it back. 2019, we did start number one. 2020 was Alabama. 2021 was Georgia. 2022 was Tennessee. So uh, this is the second time Ohio State's been in this position. And 2019 was warranted. I mean, we remember that season. That was warranted. And honestly, we never did lose a game uh, in the preseason, but somehow dropped to number two because of maybe a lackluster Big Ten performance against Wisconsin. But I digress. Uh, Anyways, I think that Ohio State is in a great position. I mean, if you look at the the handful of games remaining, we have at Rutgers, at home against – Michigan State and at home against Minnesota before we have to go on the road uh, to that team up north. So these next three games, I know we will get into these breakdowns when we do our pregames for them, but I'm not anticipating a big issue with the next three. So really, it's going to be about trying to find a way to get this team healthy, continue to try to improve this defense. I'm I'm sorry, the offense, uh, continue to strengthen the defense and just have an amazing game plan ready for that trip up to Ann Arbor. And honestly, dude, you know, I don't care where we're ranked in the CFP uh, at this point. It only matters in the final one at the end of the year. And, you know, it would be nice one year for us to finally be ranked number one and play against a number four team that is probably a team that we're actually, you know, should beat. But, you know, we, we've been in dogfights every year in the CFP. We've not had an easy blowout matchup yet. So maybe we're due, maybe we're not. Maybe with the most unsuspecting team this year. Because I know a lot of people are still looking at this team and not seeing them as a national championship team. There's still time, man. There's still time. And I can guarantee you this, in 2002, we didn't think that was a national championship team. Especially a team that could beat uh, Miami. A team that won it the year before and hadn't lost in two years. So you never know, man. Yeah, when you have a defense like Ohio State has, you never know. Just to play devil's advocate, man, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Um, being number one is tough, dude. It's it's a different target. It's a different target than being three or four. Um, you know, and while I don't want to be three and four, we've talked about this before. I would like to see what it's like to have a different path. Uh, if we do end up in the in the college football playoffs, you know, dude, it's hard to be number one so early and keep it there. Uh, that's a lot of expectations. That's a lot of weight on your shoulder, man. You know, I, while I'm grateful that we are, I mean, some of me doesn't like it. I agree. Um, I, I do. F- I have felt more comfortable lately with Ohio State being more in the underdog role. Because, um, you know, realistically, the last two years we played Michigan, we were the favorites. Uh, I think at least the betting favorites and didn't win either one of those. Um, but when we're more the underdog role, you know, like in Clemson in 2020, in uh, Georgia last year, when really we probably should have won that game. You know, in that uh, true underdog role, Ohio State really has stepped up, you know, as long as they're fully healthy. I'm not counting the 2020 national title game against Alabama because, I mean, we had pff, Trey Sermon, broken collarbone, first play of the game, Justin Fields playing with crack ribs, half our players are out because of COVID, like not counting that. But you understand what I'm saying. Like, I, I – and. I agree with you. I like Ohio State having more of the underdog role. I guess maybe if I was being selfish, I would have liked Michigan to stay ranked ahead of Ohio State just so that way it's more of a, you know, a stick in the crawl of Ohio State, like another jab that, okay, whatever, Michigan's better. But I, I, I don't think it's really going to matter this year because it, that ranking is not going to blind Ohio State from all of a sudden thinking that they're better than Michigan. I think anyone, any two, you know, people with eyeballs that have watched this year and watched the last couple of years knows that Ohio State is finally going to be the inferior team, not by a lot, but maybe by a little. And finally, the first time Ohio State's going to be a true betting underdog. And I think that's ultimately going to help Ohio State. Yeah, man. Well, dude, let's wrap this one up, man. I think we've been on this one long enough today. We got plenty of time to talk CFP. Lots of scenarios, lots of different stuff going on, man. And uh, don't forget Thursday to tune in. Uh, well, I guess it'll be Friday morning for you guys uh, when we preview the uh, next upcoming game, which I don't want to talk about right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Did you forget who we're playing? <laughs> no, Rutgers. 
Yeah, we're at Rutgers. So yeah, they're six and two. Also, they, oh, oh, sorry, I heard a nickname for him. What's that? I, um, you know, they call him the Shiano Man. Okay, I kind of like it actually. Like the piano man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like, like it too. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Rutgers is bowl eligible for as early in the season as I can ever remember, if ever. So, and this is a Rutgers team too. I, we're not gonna get it. I'm not gonna do it. We're gonna wait for Thursday. We got tons to talk about with Rutgers. I know it's not going to be your typical Rutgers year, to be perfectly honest with you. I feel like this one's going to be a little different, but we'll get into that for our next episode. So if you want to check it out, uh, we usually post that by Friday morning. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but Chad, do you have anything else you want to wrap up the CFP with? Yeah, all I can think about is sing us a song with Shiano Man. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Get them a record deal, people. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, as always, uh, you can check us out on all major streaming services. We also have a Facebook page, a Twitter uh, page, and we have a website that is dtipodcast.com. We also post all of our episodes there as well. So give us a look. Um, we love the interaction that we're getting. We're getting a lot more messages, a lot more content. So, um, And obviously, based upon the viewership numbers that we're seeing, you know, uh, things have been going great. I mean, our numbers have kind of blown up a little bit from our live episodes. So that done wonders you know we're looking forward to doing that again in the future uh but we really appreciate everyone that listens and listens to our zany crap and if you're still listening after over an hour of this episode because i know we haven't gone this long but it's cfp time so we really appreciate if you're still here with us and until next time guys go bucks oh h